Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 1235 in Edmonton. Hope you're having a wonderful day. This is Oilers now. Yeah, the, the team's name is The Oilers. That's right. Uh, some guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that Oilers now sent you. They're open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. Just before we go to our uh, NHL insider, John Shannon, who's in town. Uh, Andy S., the carpet guy, says, Bob, I thought that Tavares slosh was a um, two-hander. Could have been a five in a game. Uh, should have been four, but the ref calls a two-minute penalty. I'm sure if it was Connor, it's more than two minutes. Your thoughts, Andy? I completely disagree with you. It's a two like he was getting worked over. He gave him a little swing back. It happens. McDavid got McDavid would have only gotten a minor flag. In fact, the exchange with Austin Matthews. Matthews stuck his butt out in the neutralized area and picked McDavid. Connor wasn't happy with it. First gave him a little bit of a. A push and then a little bit of a, uh, a, a slash, and they called coincidentals. I don't think for a second that they would have given McDavid a harsher penalty than they gave John Tavares in that situation. And the reality of the situation, Toronto was better. I do think there were a couple times where it looked like in the Oilers' uh, D zone when Edmonton was under duress, I thought there were some picks and uh, you know quick little trips and stuff that maybe you could argue, geez, but because the Leafs were the more assertive team, sometimes you get the benefit of the call. And I think at the end of the day, the only thing that was confusing was the amount of even-up calls that took place in the game. And I certainly don't think the officials in any way, shape, or form uh, played a significant outcome in that game because Toronto was just better and the Oilers didn't manage the puck as well. But that's me. That's Spring and Border Inside. Uh, actually, we're going to hook up with uh, John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with uh, no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy Heating and Cooling. NHL Insider John Shannon. Hi, John. How you doing? I'm great, Bob. You? Good. It was Toronto's night, wasn't it? Uh, eventually it was, uh, but it also speaks to uh, the emotion of the night and the, the, how quickly things can change. Uh, and a couple of s- simple mistakes uh, cost you, and then it's like trying to stop a, uh, a giant rock coming down a hill. It's difficult to do. I mean, that, that, it re- to me, it really speaks of, um, of, uh, of emotion in hockey and how you can manage it one way or the other. And on Saturday night, that second period was one where the Oilers had a difficult time managing it and the Leafs took advantage of it. So when Toronto came in here 10 days earlier, however, I think it was nine days before, they were on a bit of a Western swing. They changed some players in and out of their lineup. I think their team might have been surprised at how much 
uh, work uh, Kyle Dubas did. I mean, basically six new players over a span of four days. Some, you know, a couple players that have been there, you know, a while. Part they have a, they have a strong Swedish contingent on that team. And I thought the Leafs were flat in Edmonton, and I thought the Oilers' top-end guys were engaged and from start to finish. And conversely, right from the get-go, the Maple Leafs, they put their top, they put Matthews out there, Marner and Kerfoot, and those guys were going early. Mm-hmm. And um, it was almost the opposite scenario. So even though Edmonton was up 2-1 after 1 and 3-1 at one point in the second, I didn't personally like what I was seeing. Like, I was concerned that this was going to come back and bite the Oilers eventually. What do you think? Well, and you, you you could feel that in the building. You could certainly feel that uh, 3-1 Edmonton was a compliment to what the Oilers were doing. And and the Maple Leafs at times were uh, showed a little more energy. The fascination for me, Bob, is, is that you talked about the Maple Leaf game in Edmonton. Um, and that was preceded in as it was this week with a game against the Boston Bruins and in many ways I think that the outcome of the Bruin game really dictated a lot of what was going to happen in the Maple Leaf game the Oilers learned how to play that or understood how to play that game of hockey that the Bruins have been playing and they used that to affect against the Maple Leafs and then the big victory by the Oilers in Boston on Thursday night that to me was a wake-up call for the Toronto Maple Leafs to say, boys, we cannot take anything for lightly. Sure, the West looks a little weaker than the East, but this is the Edmonton Oilers, and they are on a roll, and we better be prepared. And obviously, through 60 minutes, they worked. I think we saw this weekend against Detroit. I'd make an argument. I'm not sure Boston's playing that well, John. Like, I didn't think the Bruins were really bringing it either against the Oilers on that Thursday night. Like, the top-end players for both teams either got marked or checked right out of the game, and the Oilers won the the, the support-scoring battle. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, though? 82-game schedule, Bob. Bingo. What are the Bruins playing for now? Nothing. Literally, what are they playing for now? Nothing. Uh, and and so th- that's that's Jim Montgomery's biggest challenge. Yeah, is how to figure out how to manage ice time, how to man- manage intensity. Uh, you know, I-, I would argue that that trip to the West, where they, if, and you can correct me, I think they won all four games. Yeah. Uh, the trip to the West, including the Allmark goal in Vancouver, w- w- I mean, that was the that was the pinnacle. You know, now first first team this early to 50 games. I don't. This is going to be one where Don Sweeney and Jim Montgomery and Cam Neely are going to sit around the table and say, "Boys, how do we make sure that there's a level of intensity ready for the middle of April? Because right now we have nothing to play for." It's uh, the game. The two games against the Red Wings on the weekend. It indicated that the slow start Saturday by the Bruins, and they came back, and they were unable to do it Sunday in uh, at, at Little Caesars. To me, that's a sign of a team just saying, "Okay, let's let's get the regular season over with." We don't care about individual statistics. All we care about is winning the Stanley Cups. We better be ready. I think Boston's going through that. I think Tampa's going through that right now. Yeah, they've had some flat performances as well of late. Uh, we've had people saying that the Oilers should bench their top line. Look what Tampa did. And I'm like, well, wait a sec here. It's not like they responded with a strong performance right after. They got beat quite handily again. John Shannon for Legacy. He oh, hold on, hold on. Somebody, somebody, is suge- some, somebody is suggesting they bench 
Connor McDavid? Uh, we had an individual say that. Yes. Seriously? Yes. Seriously? Well, Tom, we got hundreds of texts. I'm just Holy perusing smokes. through them during the break. I thought McDavid was the best Oiler forward by a mile in that game on Saturday night. It wasn't even close. Like, you can you can sit there and say that he got marked and checked closely against Boston and the Oiler support guys stepped up, but on Saturday night... There was one guy bringing it every. He he competed like a you know what, like a demon in that game, John. Yep. So I got to ask you this. Oh no, listen. That, but that, we should never be surprised. We should never be surprised. It's it's it, it. I know you and I. We we yearn for the old days, but you know Wayne loved playing at Maple Leaf Gardens. Yes. Wayne loved playing at Maple Leaf Gardens. Connor loves playing in Toronto. Yeah, I felt bad for... You know what? Uh, the, the giveaways were the giveaways. Should we... <laughs> I think Stuart Skinner's had a fairly solid year. He's got a 9-11 save percentage, uh, which is decent. There are conflicting sort of models on what his goal saved above expectation would be out there. Uh, are you concerned about the Oilers goaltending heading into the playoffs, John? Uh, hesitantly, I will say no. Okay. So, Why? you know that. It, 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 well, I mean, right? Who's the starting goalie right now? It's got to be Skinner, right? Got to be Skinner Has right to now. Be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you said was the series is starting Saturday against, uh, you know, uh, the L.A. Kings, it's got to be Stuart Skinner. And would you have confidence with Stuart Skinner against the Los Angeles Kings? I I think I would, but it's you know they, the 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 issue with the Oilers goaltending has has always this year particularly is that even in games where they have full control the the goaltenders are still giving up three, um, and so well it means they have to score four to win. Well yeah that's brilliant, but so that becomes the real challenge in the end. I know there's a ton of stats. You know, I like W's and L's. Yeah. I live with W's and L's. And right now, you know, Skinner wins you more than he loses. So I'm going with Skinner. John, uh, I'm here right now the Evans Oilers are 12th in the NHL. The last three years, uh, Ken Holland's first year, they were 12th. Then they went 11th and 11th. This year, they're 12th at this time. Now, I think they're going to finish 9th or 10th by the end of the season because I think their schedule eases up a bit here. I think the team is way better. The secondary scoring numbers would suggest they're better. Really, it comes down to, you know, uh, saves. I mean, that's the one area. And and I think we got to give Mike Smith some credit. When you're fourth and 17th in goals saved above expectation on a couple of models over the last two years, he did play pretty well once he got healthy each of the last two years and played a factor in the Oilers' second-half runs. Yeah, no, of course he did. But there was always that one goal every once in a while that would say, how did that get in? How did that go in? That was, and, and that's, I think in many ways, that's not the, that thematic has continued this year a little bit. Not near as bad as it did with Mike. But, you know, and the one thing I would say, and I, I'm not saying we, the, the team misses Mike, but they certainly miss his puck-moving ability. Yes. I so, mean, I remember the game in San Jose, right? Sure. The game in San Jose to me is the the ultimate goalie pass of all time to Connor McDavid. All right, John. Here we go because we talked about it a bit at the arena today, uh, and we have played Jay Woodcroft and Zach Hyman's thoughts on 
Because uh, I think there's different ways to look at it, but following the game on Saturday night, so I explained the process to the listeners. Uh, via an app, you can request certain players post game. Now, I'm doing the post game show, so I am not requesting players myself. We request a, you know, a Oilers player at the end of the first period and after the game that is done through PR, but not for a group, a group text, which basically is the writers that make the request. Um, and they requested to talk mm-hmm. to DeHarnay and McLeod, and the Oilers leadership group said, uh, we're going to change, and we're going to go with a couple different players. And that's what they did. So they went with Evander Kane and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Give me your assessment. What do you think of that? Well, I think that there are, there are different ways to look at it. Uh, I think from a media perspective, uh, I would have requested to talk to Ryan McLeod and DeHarnay and Darnell Nurse because as the game went on and wore on, those were the guys that made mistakes, and there are, there's some would say they need to be asked about what they were thinking at that point. From a team perspective, and, and the, the, fact that, the fact that this was driven by the players, you know, by that leadership group that said, you know what, no, Ryan's not speaking, DeHarnay's not speaking, We'll manage this. That, to me, is indicative of uh, a, a leadership that really is is good to see on a hockey club. So I, I can I can see both sides. I, I truly can. Um, are we you know, to, and, are when we Jay Woodcroft didn't today? even know. Are we allowed to look at it from both what, sides? What see both sides? Yes. Well, I, I could sing Judy Collins here for you or, or Joni Mitchell, but uh, that wouldn't really go over well for this uh, demographic. Yeah, nobody wants to hear um, you sing. But, 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 you know, but, but the, fact, the, the fact that Jay didn't even know that this occurred until he got onto the bus go, going to the airport, I think speaks volumes to, about how this group has galvanized. And if I'm if I'm the coach of the team, I'm you know I'm doing a little fist punch on, fist pump on the uh, on the bus saying, that's what a team should be doing. They should be protecting each other. Uh, so if I'm team building, if I'm saying that you know the Oilers have to show some unanimity, then that was the right thing to do for the players and the Edmonton Oilers. Period. If I'm uh, Hockey Night in Canada, or I'm TSN or Sportsnet or 6:30 Ched. I'd be ticked off. But I, but and by the way, Bob, there are lots of general managers and coaches that would walk into the room and say, under no circumstances do you tell us that that guy can't can't go there. I know for a fact that there are at least five general managers in this league that said, hey, Ryan McLeod, you go out and you you, you face the media. Because that's part of the learning curve too. So there are different ways to look at it, and I, 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 I'm sympathetic to all of them. And the, the question now becomes: Don't look back, look forward. What happens when it occurs again? Well, uh, does the, the next time does Ryan McLeod have to step up? And the answer is: I think he does. I remember Corey Cross playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Ottawa Senators. 
and he scored the game-winning goal in overtime. Corey Cross, the former Alberta Golden Bear, and Corey and myself have had some very animated conversations over the years, including during the 0405 lockout. But in the early 2000s, he sniped one for the Leafs in overtime against Ottawa and had a huge scrum because he'd scored the game winner. And then a couple games later, he had a puck bank in off his skate into Lynette in overtime that cost the, and cost Leafs the game. And he goes, Bob, I was there both times because that's what you got to do. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. I'll give him credit. He sat there and now he'd been in the league for a while. What was the baseball movie with Kevin Costner? No, it wasn't Field of Dreams. The one where he throws the perfect game, where the center fielder younger, for the love of the game for the love, of the, for the game. love of the remember the center yeah. fielder has the ball bounce off his shoulder or off his head over for a home run, and he, the center fielder is a, a hot young star and he doesn't want. And, Costner advises him, you got to go out there and do it. It comes with the territory. And then he, yeah. he's yeah. he's the guy that makes the great catch to save the no-hitter. The, the only thing I would argue, both are fair comparisons. The only thing I would argue, again, from a team perspective is, and I, I mentioned this to Jay this morning because Jay said, how come you? I didn't see you around the rink on Saturday? I said, you need another hanger-honor in Toronto. You need, a, I mean, because as you know, Bob, in Toronto, yes. a Canadian team with a superstar comes to town. Yes. It's a circus. It's a circus. Yes, it was. It is a circus. There had so, to be 400 people at the Oilers' optional skate on, on so, so, so in the end, you know, you're better off protecting people in that scenario. If, if, if Ryan had made that mistake in Boston on Thursday night, or, or DeHarnay had made that mistake uh, in, in Winnipeg on Saturday night, they both would have been made, made accountable. But, you know, at a certain point, you do have to protect the process. And hopefully the, the, the guys that were protected appreciate it, and then the next time they have this situation in front of them, they stand up for it. It's part of the learning curve, I think. I think it's part of the learning curve. And I understand everybody's angst that it didn't happen. But, you know, at a certain point, you have to think from a team perspective that we're trying to build something here rather than getting a sound clip. Hey, awesome stuff. John, great stuff. Uh, we'll have fun in uh, one of the intermissions tomorrow night during the NHL Hockey and Rogers. Just, Rogers. just, just one? Oh, we'll see. Uh, just for you, though. Now, is this... Is this the... Which version is this? By? Is this, this is Joni Mitchell. Nicely done. This was, this was her greatest performance of that song. At by Olympics? far. At the Olympics? No, this wasn't at the Olympics. Didn't she do a version of this at the Olympics? She might have, but this, this was not this. one of them. This, Katie Lang did But this uh, wasn't at the Olympics. Katie Lang and Joni Mitchell both sang at anyway. the Olympics. Hey, John, great Go, uh, I tell you what, go on YouTube and watch Joni Mitchell at the Newport uh, Music Festival. You'll ball your eyes out. All right, awesome stuff. John making us cry here in Oilers now. It's 1253 at Edmonton. We'll get to some text when we return. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game. 
including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. The Doobie Brothers rolling into Roger's place. Welcome back, everybody. Winners now. We're heading back to California this April. New West Travel. You can get a chance to check out L.A. and Anaheim against... The Oilers. This new West Travel package includes airfare, four nights at the Marriott LA Live Lower Bowl game, tickets for both games, and a welcome reception with yours truly. We're going to do two. We're going to do one in Edmonton, and we're going to do one down in Cali. For the California Hockey Tour, reach out to New West Travel, newwesttravel.com. Brendan, this text comes in. How the hell do you remember, Bob, what Corey Cross did in the early 2000s? Are you a robot? No. I'm not a robot, and I know that because I cried at West Montgomery's funeral. That's how I know I'm not a robot. Uh, I would not have cried watching last night's Oscars. I can't watch that stuff anymore. It's just like, ugh. Brendan, did you watch the Oscars, or did you check out in a hurry? Not only have I not seen the movies that typically get nominated for these types of things, but I, I don't know. It's not about the movies at this point, is it? It's about the accepted speeches. Oh. Yeah. Enough. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. And when we come back, you, you can reach us on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780 496 This is Oilers Now.